Spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer? Here's a camping hack from L.L. Bean to make your next trip the best yet. Tired of your tentmate's flashlights shining in your eyes in camp? Bring an empty half-gallon milk jug or clear water bottle. Simply strap a headlamp around it, and it becomes a soft white lantern for everyone to see the light. For more camping hacks, visit youtube.com slash L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. Welcome back to the Final Four. It's not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. And we are back with the first game of the Champions Classic. Michigan State goes down to Kansas 74-87 to um, in this one, Rod. And, and pretty close through most of the first half, um, all the way up until about four minutes to go. Kansas pulls out to about a, a, a four to seven point lead going into halftime. Um, and then just kind of outmatches uh, Michigan State in the second half. Um they just look like the more athletic, stronger. I don't know that team. I believe either. I don't know that I believe either of those things. I don't no. think that's true. <laughs> no, no. Athletically, no. Um, and stronger, absolutely not. They're smaller. They're smaller. Than Michigan State. Yeah. Here's what I believe. I think that game comes down to one word: execution. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Kansas ran their offense extremely well. I mean, Michigan State was how many picks was Michigan were Michigan State defenders run through? How many times did Kansas get isolated on a switch and take advantage of it? Often, it happened a ton. And credit to them, they ran their offense better than I would have expected in a first game. I thought the quality of shot they got was generally really high. Um, and Michigan State, on the other hand when they weren't turning the ball over, I thought did a decent job of, of getting shots. Um, but the problem is the turnovers count. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's really your difference in the game. I mean, it really is. Um, you know, Kansas, win, or it's the bulk of it. Kansas wins the game by 13. There was a difference of eight points in points off turnovers. It's remarkable that Kansas didn't get more done. They only got 16 points off MSU's 16 turnovers, whereas MSU got eight off of Kansas's nine. Um, it could have been even worse, given how many times Michigan State kicked it away. But, no, I, I don't believe Kansas is more athletic. Not well, at all. Maybe athletic was the wrong word. It, it seemed to me like they just had guys that could – they had more firepower. Guys that could well, I think that was true because they executed. They yeah. executed their offense. How many times they ran great stuff to get um, uh, what's his name uh, Agbaji? Agbaji. Yeah. Just great looks. I mean, lobs off inbounds, high feed lobs off a, off a timeout. When and I'll tell you. If you're if you're looking for and it's hard to say a game that Kansas really controlled for a lot of the second half that there was a turning point, but there really was, in my opinion. You mentioned Michigan State had a bad close to the first half and they were down seven, but they came out early in the second half and actually did a nice job. AJ Hogart against all odds hits a three, yeah, gets the game down to three, margins down to three. Fairly early in the second half, we were probably, I'm going to guess, about 
maybe three and a half minutes in, something like that. And MSU had been clicking offensively in at the start of the second half. They scored yeah, they a few threes. Got, I think four of their first five possessions, maybe, um, and and got a couple stops in there. And and all of a sudden, looks like, okay, maybe they're going to push it. Kansas comes out of a timeout and uh, sets up a lob. They had Agbaji in the corner, and I think it, I think it was Gabe guarding. Oh, it was Malik Call. You're yeah. right. Malik Hall just gets lost, and they get a, a lob dunk. They then scored the next possession and never really were seriously threatened after that. Yeah. So if there was a turning point in the game, it was that. It was a great – look, give credit to Bill Self. That's something we've seen Michigan State do. I, I've lost count of how many hundreds of times over Tom Izzo's career. But Bill Self's a pretty good coach too. Yeah. And he ran a great play coming out of coming out of that timeout to get his guy a, a dunk and it shifted the momentum of the game back in Kansas's direction and they never looked back. So I do think that's a game primarily about execution. Um, I think there are things they're actually, believe it or not, a thirteen point loss, and I'm sure some of the fan base will be you know, doing the usual overboard shit. Um, but we try to be a little smarter about it here, right? There actually were some good things in this game, which we'll get to. There were some real positives from Michigan State. I'm serious about that. Um, things that I wasn't sure about, and I'm still not totally sure, but that were really good indicators if they continue the rest of the way. The problem is there were some other things that are absolutely critical we're also going to talk about that Michigan State was very, very poor in, or individuals who just didn't play well. Mm. Um, so I think it was primarily execution, where I do think it got into maybe some of what you're talking about in the second half. You know, Remy Martin was a guy we talked about, and to me, very unclear, and I still think it's unclear how that's going to work over the long haul, but I'll give him this. I thought he played really well tonight at the point for them because in the first half, he didn't force anything. He didn't score. Um, let the game come to him. And in the second half, then you started to see his ability as an offensive player. And he kind of took over along with Agbaji, of course. But Martin was really a key mm-hmm. in getting Kansas out to that that lead and, and keeping Michigan State at bay by continuing to score. 15 points in the second half. Um and Michigan State, obviously, A.J. Hogard, who we'll talk about, had a had a nice night. Um, so you can't say that Martin dominated the matchup necessarily. But I think that that was the one where, and, and Agbaji, too, that Michigan State just didn't have anybody who proved capable of slowing him down. Yeah. Um, those were maybe two of the areas where individuals where it could point to um, what you're talking about. But I, I, I really, again, even with regard to those guys, I think primarily you're talking about execution issues at both ends of the court. There's some things that Michigan State's definitely got to clean up defensively. Um, I thought that they did a terrible job in dribble containment. And some of that, again, was a result of Kansas executing their offense, working it, to get a matchup they liked, forcing Michigan State to switch, and then they would take advantage of it. But that wasn't all of it. There were just times where guys, you know, Max Christie, after I think he had showed some real signs in the exhibition games, and, you know, the staff says he's been doing it in practice, of being a really good defender, I thought had a very poor defensive night. 
I did not think Gabe Brown was very good. Um, I didn't think Tyson Walker was as good as he needs to be. Um, you know, so there are a number of guys who didn't really on the perimeter mostly. And that's where it's, that's where it's gotta be. And you saw what happens when you give that up. Jay Billis talked about it, that Kansas was just getting into the paint a little too easily. And I think that's true. Yeah, there was a time there at one point where they had Hogard and Walker out there for a couple stretches. Multiple times. Multiple it's times. like they were yeah. really having trouble with this smaller lineup. I think that's true, too. And, and you know, again, Kansas played that way. We talked about it. They played that way in part because they had to. Um, they don't yeah. have a lot of size. And then Wilson being out, who's not a huge guy, but he is there for that exacerbated it even further but it ended up i think in this game at least playing to their advantage because michigan state i i will tell you this there's a lineup that i saw out there more than i would like um that featured marble hauser and hall all on the floor at the same time Mm. i don't really want to see that lineup very much and i would I would hope that Tom Ezzo comes to that conclusion as well. Defensively, that's a real problem. You know, I, I know that they're selling Malik Hall as a guy who can guard a lot of different people. And I do think he's a good defensive player because I've seen him do it. No. But, you know, we mentioned that play with Agbaji, right, where he just fell asleep. and There were a lot of moments like that. And I, I'm not convinced. I think Malik Hall can guard some wings, I'm not sure he's ideal to guard every wing. And then if he is out there doing that, if you're pairing him with Marble, who overall had a pretty damn good night. Uh, yeah. One of the things I was happy about was the play at the five. But um, but the one thing Julius does not do is give you a, a rim protection element. And, and, and then Joey's your four. It's just it's not going to get it done against small ball lineups. Now, you know, the, the, the counter to that is, well, but you're playing, are you going to play a seven-foot Marcus Bainham against a small ball lineup? I would argue, yeah. I'd rather see that. Because at least he can uh, block some shots if they get by. Exactly. <laughs> and on offense, you know, he, again, another guy who I thought overall had a pretty good night. It looks to me like Marcus is more intent on getting himself into the paint and doing some things down there. Mm. So if that's the case, then you can make people pay for playing that way. But I, I, I just think there were, there were lineups in this game and it's one game and it's one opponent with particular strengths and weaknesses. You know, you don't go overboard about it, but I, I just, I did not like what I saw from that lineup. And, you know, fortunately you're probably not going to see that a whole hell of a lot in the big 10 because the big 10, as we've talked about a lot has kind of gone to this, um, emphasis on uh size you know every team it seems is rolling out big big players who can get it done so i don't think we're going to see a lot of it these lineups by the way that we're talking about were were what they were playing when kansas had mccormick off the floor and they had lightfoot out there usually Mm. at the five and and so they were michigan state was trying to counter that and then they, after a while, they went with Marcus, which I thought was the right move against those guys. Said, look, if they're going to play a six-eight guy, play and, and not a particularly strong one either. I'll add, um, roll out Marcus. Let's let's see what we get from that. But because I think you gain at both ends. But in any event, 
I, I think Michigan State's execution versus Kansas's is really what this came down to. And you can use execution to describe a whole lot of mm-hmm. what we saw tonight. The turnovers, the inability to keep Kansas out of the lane, and um, you know maybe not, not shooting the three as well as you maybe could have, some good looks that they didn't hit. And if you're going to win a game against a really good opponent, you got to do that. Um, you know, free throw shooting was, got better late, but it wasn't great. Um, forget what they actually shot. Um, yeah, nine, nine for 16. That ain't going to get it done. Um, you know, all execution, right? I do. I'm, I'm seriously convinced that if somebody's, if the take is that, well, Kansas just physically overwhelmed Michigan state. No, well, I wouldn't say physically overwhelmed. I think maybe partially my, my, um, impression of that is that maybe because they had so much bigger guys out there it just appeared that Michigan State was slower in some regard um well that I think is true that I think is true in in some instances in mm-hmm. some portions of the game like what we were just talking about yes like in the I beginning think you're right about that the first half they were able to make them pay they were out rebounding them um getting right. a lot done in the paint and that just all seemed to go away in the second half yeah yeah so I yeah mean, the, was, the advantage you know, that they had with those bigger lineups was no longer right. there i would i would agree with that and and i think it was i can't come back to it what kansas was able to do when michigan state had lineups out there that maybe weren't like the one i'm talking about you know malik hall was guarding a perimeter guy joey hauser's then you're four you're weaker defensively at two spots then mm-hmm. than you can be optimally. I'm not saying play Malik Hall before exclusively and Joey Hauser doesn't get any minutes. I'm not suggesting that. But what I am saying is if you're looking for a lineup that's more of an optimal one defensively, that's not it. <laughs> yeah. Because you want either you want some combination of Gabe, uh, Max Christie, and Jade Nakins. Problem is those guys weren't really good defensively in this game either. So it made it, it made it hard. I mean, the only guys I really give credit to defensively in this game, Marcus Bam, I thought was great. Um, I thought Julius Marble was okay. He's not, he's limited in ways that Marcus isn't because he's just not big, but I thought, I thought Julius battled his ass off. He worked hard. Mm. Um, And that's about it. Everybody else kind of blew defensively in my opinion and that's look this is an area where michigan state has got to be better i had this discussion on the spartan mag board um earlier today you know and somebody was bemoaning so michigan you know if if we're going to do our usual thing of not guarding the three it's like what planet are you living on that one that hasn't ever been a consistent problem for michigan state as a program and it wasn't the big problem last year the big problem was last year was the first time in 13 years that Michigan State was outside the top 100 against two-point shots in defensive efficiency. Mm. Okay? It's, it's been forever since they were as bad as they were last year. You know? And, and the, the reality is, I mean, Kansas, for the game, shot... Let me do some quick math here. So we have... Uh, 64 minus 17 equals 47. 
and um, I don't remember, 47. So Kansas shot 53% from two-point range. Can't have it. Hmm. And that doesn't count the fact that they got 24 free-throw attempts in this game, much of which was because of being forced to foul up the rim. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't think yeah. the officials were very good in this game, but but the reality is that I think the free-throw differential mostly – encapsulated the difference in the way the game was played. I thought Kansas was more rim and Michigan State was forced to foul them. So you add that on top of 53% against twos, it's even worse. Mm. So th- that to me, you know, uh, people are going to, the, the, as I said, we try to do a little more detached, objective, balanced view of, of what we saw out there. Um, and I think a lot of hot takers are going to be locked in on the turnovers, which were a big problem. No question. Free throws, big problem. No question. In fact, the Michigan state didn't shoot well from three, not great. None of those things are ideal, but if I had to say, if I had to identify what was the number one problem, it was what I just pointed out. They did not defend with turnovers, a close second. Yeah. Uh, and the, I mean, <laughs> the most frustrating thing for me is you look at, well, we got Tyson Walker and some, some wing defense that we're kind of excited coming into this year. And first thing Walker does is take himself out after four minutes with a second foul yeah. that he got gambling on a steal. I, I'm exactly, he has oh. nobody to blame but himself for that because, um, it was, it was an unnecessary and that, and that's, that's the thing, you know, we, we've talked about it and I think Izzo seems to have been mostly pleased with the way he's defended in practice and in the exhibitions. But when you're talking about a guy who's been, um, someone who generates a good number of steals that there's still, that play tells me there's still a little bit of reprogramming left Yeah, because you can't have it. If you've got no fouls, maybe. Maybe you take that chance and, okay, you got one. Now you can't do it again. Mm-hmm. But when you're already carrying one, can't have it. And I, I do think – See, he um, probably doesn't get taken out of the game at Northeastern with two like that. Well, there's that too. Yeah, he probably sits for a bit and then comes back in. Mm-hmm. At Michigan State, they're not going to do that. Um, I, I do think that <sighs> – You know, he, that stuff didn't help him get settled. And I think going back home, he's a New York kid, all that stuff. I'm willing to, you know, set it aside. Okay. You had a, you had an off, you know, you had a a tough night, a lot of things, a lot of things on your plate. Now it's behind you. Let's settle in. Let's get it right. But, Mm -hmm. but the reality is for as well as AJ Hogard played, I do think you also saw why he can't be the guy. Their half-court offense just simply does not function particularly well mm-hmm. when he's on the floor. He's better, a lot better than he was last year, a lot better than I thought he could be. And I give him great credit for you know 17 points, did that well. Um, I think he's, and I think he's actually pretty good in transition with his ability to throw the ball ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, but the half court offense 
You know, I, I just, I don't see it at the level it needs to be. And, and that's where Tyson Walker has got to be miles better than he was tonight. And specifically miles more aggressive mm-hmm. than he was tonight. He had two plays early on in that game where he found, he got himself into the lane and he should have taken a floater. Yeah. He was there. He had room. He had space. Instead, he tried to kick it out once. It just, you know, the ball circled back around. They don't get anything out of it immediately. And the second time, it was a turnover. He's got to look to score. That's the that, that's the biggest thing I give A.J. Hogard credit for. A.J. Hogard was trying to make things happen. His mentality was where Michigan State needs it to be. You know, Tyson Walker needs to get some of that fast. Because Michigan State can't be significantly better if he's not significantly better than he was tonight. That's that's my take on it. Uh, AJ Hogard, I'm, I've got no complaints. He he is what he is. He was even better than what he is because he actually hit a couple jumpers, but um, which I don't expect to be a regular occurrence. I, I'd love to be wrong about that, but I don't. Um, but man. You, you gotta, if you're Tyson Walker, you are so important to this team getting better to that half court offense functioning in a better way. He just, he's got a better ability to create stuff out of pick and roll, to find shooters in their pocket, in, in rhythm. But if he's not aggressive offensively, if he's not a threat, then a lot of that stuff doesn't matter as much. Yeah. Well, you, you'd mentioned uh, Max Christie had kind of a rough um, defensive performance. Um, but I think people could probably see with his jump shot um, <laughs> what you were talking about as far as pure shooting. I mean, yeah, yeah. That guy's going mean, to be good. Holy crap. Two, two for four on threes. You know, he ends up with nine points, so just missed double figures. But only three for ten from the floor. So that means he was one for six inside the arc. Mm-hmm. And you know they were mostly good looks. I didn't have big complaints with the shots he took. Um, he's going to have many, many better nights than this. So I'm not. I'm not particularly worried about Max Christie and and the defensive stuff. I suspect he is going to you know as opposed to a lot of other guys where you say, well, you know, you hope they learn, you hope they figure it out, you hope this is a lesson that kind of gets them to come around and understand. Uh, what needs to be adjusted, what needs to be fixed and improved. But with him, everything I understand about him, I expect that that's actually going to happen and mm-hmm. probably pretty quickly. So this is a good thing. I mean, this is probably, you know, we say this all the time about this event. One of the great things about it is it's a level setter for you. Yeah. Now you understand, okay, now you've seen a real opponent. You got an idea. This is what you're looking at this year. Um, and you understand, hopefully, what you need to do to be better. And I think that with regard to him, I think he'll be a guy who takes it that way. Mm. Uh, and so Gabe Brown, 10 points, two rebounds in 30 minutes, uh, hit a couple threes, a couple steals, two turnovers. Um, yeah, uh, jump shot was you a know, little flat early, though, but it, it came around. Yeah, I, I did not... You know, Gabe did some, there were a handful of moments where Gabe did some good stuff. I thought he had a play where he turned the corner on a pick, got the ball, turned the corner, 
drove to the rim, then pulled up and dumped off to Julius Marble for an end one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was one of the best creation moments we've ever seen from Gabe. And and that was really, really nice to see. But they need to see a lot more of it. But more than all that is Gabe Brown just has to be – how many times have we said this over four years? He has to be a guy who finds ways to impact games more regularly. And, you know, we talked about the defensive stuff I didn't think was great. Um, you know, he gets – what did he get? Two, two rebounds. Two rebounds in 30 minutes is – yeah, yeah, you just you can't. That's not going. That's not going to do it. Not when he's one of the you bigger know? guys on the court. I mean, right. And you know, I thought early, he, you know, as well as Michigan State, early was looking pretty decent in transition, um, but that didn't maintain. You know, so um, yeah, lots of room for improvement from Gabe, mm-hmm. and they need him to. They did flat out. Uh, Joey, 24 minutes, had 8.7 rebounds, three assists, um, hit one three, one for three for threes, um, and a turnover. Yeah, you know, it was okay. It was okay. Um, I mentioned, you know, defensively, I thought that uh, I thought that he was put in, in some positions because of the way Kansas executed. I, I was, I'm recalling one play in the second half where Kansas just ran Martin off pick after pick after pick. And eventually they got him isolated. I mean, that's the stuff Michigan state used to do with Cassius. Mm-hmm. They just run pick after pick after pick until they get him isolated on the guy that he could whip. And then he'd go whip him. Um, that's, that's what happened to Joey on a few occasions. I thought Joey, I, I'm surprised he only had eight points. It seemed to me like he, he had a little more impact than that, but um, I, I, I wasn't I wasn't terribly down on his game. I, I, he can obviously be better, and he needs to be better. Um, but you know, some of that I, I honored the scoring stuff at least. And they've talked about it a lot in the media. There seems to be a connection between he and Tyson Walker, and I don't think the same thing exists with Hogarth. And the fact is Tyson Walker only played 20 minutes tonight. AJ Hogarth played 26. Um, That's going to impact some guys. This is what I'm talking about. We're in the half court and it's look, AJ Hogarth is who he is. And he played a very good game in terms of what he's capable of doing for Michigan state tonight. But if you're looking at this team being better, that is not ideal. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the reasons why guys like Brown, guys like Hauser, they aren't going to get the same kind of shots playing heavy minutes with AJ Hogard as they would with Tyson Walker. Yeah. Just how it is. Uh, then you got Marky Bingham, um, 19, only 19 minutes, uh, 10 points, seven rebounds, an assist. He was five for 10 from the floor, uh, two blocks, a steal, um, one turnover, only one foul. Oh, for three from three pointer though. That those hurt because they're so wide open. Yeah, he's they they need him to hit those shots if he's going to take them. Obviously, but you know that that doesn't that doesn't. I'm still really well. good with Marcus Bingham. Yeah, yeah. I, the five spot is the one position where if you're Tom Ezzo, I think you could look at the way primarily the two guys played and say, hey, I didn't have a problem because the the kid they were going against McCormick, he's a good player. You know, this guy was 13 and he averaged 13 and six last year. Mm-hmm. In this game, he had 10-2 and two in 22 minutes. 
Now, he did block two shots, but, you know, that that's that's production. They limited it, and I thought Marcus, you know, he got a couple of buckets over Marcus, but Marcus made him work mm-hmm. every time. He didn't blast through, you know, guys aren't blasting through Marcus anymore, and the good news in that is if he can do that against McCormick, most of the Big Ten he's going to be able to hang in there against, Yeah, you know? That that's physically in terms of size and strength. Now you know there are guys. To the the uh, Edie kid at Purdue is a freak, so that's a little different. Um, you know, uh, Dickinson and Coburn are bigger than McCormick, but not so much that you'd say like, "Oh, Marky doesn't have a chance." Mm. I thought that was really, really um, important and impressive for for him to hang in there. And then offensively, you know, ten points. As you say, he missed wide open threes. He hits one of those. We're talking about a 13-point night. Um, And he was five for seven from the floor on twos. And I thought the thing I really liked, was really happy about, I mentioned earlier, uh, Marcus looked to me like he was intent on getting the ball onto the blocks and and trying to do something with it, being a threat. And he was, and I thought he was really good. So a lot to like. In a variety of ways, too. He kind of took the one guy off the dribble and then, and, yep, and then he that had was a, a great turnaround hook. You know, he tried yep. the fadeaway. That that one didn't go so well, but. Uh, ran, the flo- ran the floor hard, rim got running, the dunk. transition, yeah. got a dunk. Yeah, you're right. He did it. I, I had forgotten about that blow by him. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that was impressive. Where you, I believe yeah. it was McCormick. He just went by him. Um, I mean, that's something you could have never imagined Marcus Bainham of previous years doing. And I'm not saying I want to see a steady diet of it, <laughs> but but it shows you the increased confidence he's playing with and, you know, his frankly, his skill set, what he's capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Now, can he do that kind of thing regularly? I don't know about that, but, you know, he's he's a, we're talking about a kid that has tools as legitimate tools. And I thought defensively, I thought he played very well. And again, seven rebounds in 18 minutes. Hey, I'm, I'm not going to be complaining about that. Yeah. I thought, I thought he got in there. I would like to see him play a little more than that. I actually think his minutes were down a bit because Izzo at a certain stage was trying actively to match Kansas's smaller lineup. Mm. Um, you know, I, I would prefer to see Marcus. I don't know if they can get him much above 24, 25. That's probably the max in terms of conditioning, but I would like to see something like that. If, if they believe that he's capable of playing high quality minutes at those, with those totals, you know, and I, I would hope that he is, but yeah, really good from him and, and really good from Julius too. I gotta say, you know, my knock on Julius marble has been, I know he can score, well, he scored. He was 13 points, four for four from the floor, five for six at the line. So a lot to like there. But my knock has been uh, he's been a liability his first two years as a defender and as a rebounder. Well, he goes and gets seven boards, including two offensive rebounds tonight mm-hmm. against, you know, playing a lot against, not exclusively, but he did play his minutes against McCormick as well and then against their smaller guys. And I thought defensively he was okay. You know, he's never going to impact the game defensively the way Marcus can because he doesn't have that length. But I, I didn't have a problem with the way Julius defended tonight as opposed to a lot of other guys. So it, the, when we talk about, you know, positives from this game, this is a big one, a big one. Because in the Big Ten, with 
you know, I, I happen to be watching, I watched the first half of Ohio State and Akron and then saw the, the end of that game where Ohio State won it at the, at the horn. But you know what Ohio State rolled out there with their fives? Four and five, because they played them together a lot. Uh, EJ Liddell had 25 and, and Key had 12, including the game winner, our layup at the rim. Hmm. Um, <laughs> we know what Michigan's going to roll out there. We know what Purdue's rolling out there, Illinois. I mean, we go on and on and on in the Big Ten. Uh, Indiana, you need to be competitive in this league at the five. And last year, it was a problem for Michigan State. Yeah. Because they weren't consistently, you know, we've been so spoiled here. I mean, it had been years, even in years where Michigan State didn't necessarily have an NBA player. They had Matt Costello, mm. who was a great college player by the time he was a senior. You know, Derek Nix. I mean, these were not NBA guys, but you felt comfortable with those guys on the floor against anybody, right? Yeah. And that, that's not to mention the Adrian Paynes, the the Nick Ward is not an NBA player, but Nick Ward was a little more high profile. Um, and, of course, the Xavier Tillmans. You know, these guys, that's what it's been. It's been we have not had that as a, Mich- as a fan base to be worried about. Well, last year we did. Mm. And same thing was true at point guard. I don't think many questions were answered at the point tonight, at least not all of them that need to be. Um, but, and at the five, if you told me Michigan State gets that level of play out of those two guys the rest of the year, I'll take it and run. <laughs> yeah, and they even squeezed um, Madi Sissoko in there for two minutes, and he got a, got to the line, got a point. Yep. Yep. And, and, you know, I actually, it was, it was something I said in the preseason and I, I may still believe it, but if I, if we get this Julius marble, I might've changed my mind. My feeling had been they need Madi Sissoko to develop because I'd rather him get those backup minutes than marble because he can sustain the rebounding and the defense that Marcus gives you. My feeling had been, if we get the Julius marble we've got in the last two years, Yes, you're getting some scoring, but you're going to give up a lot in those two areas, and MSU can't afford it. Well, if, if you get this Julius Marble, maybe it's not quite as drastic. But, I, you know, obviously I still have great hopes that the Matty Sissoko we see, you know, in January and February is is capable of playing a lot more and playing at a high level. Yep. Uh, and then there's uh, Malik Hall, 22 minutes, um, three points, three rebounds, one for four. Uh, hit. He did hit one three. Yeah, I, this was not a, out there. not a great night for Malik. And again, it's you know we we say about Gabe Brown, it's kind of the same old song. Well, Malik Hall, it's that too. You know, I, I thought Malik Hall was a really critical guy, kind of quietly down the stretch when MSU won those games against top five opponents that they needed to, right? Yeah. Um, and you what you want, what you hope for from him is just consistency. Just be that guy that you don't need. Malik Hall does not need to be a superstar, but he needs to be a guy that you know what you're getting every night. And I did not think he was on the good end of that tonight. They need him to be much better. And especially defensively, Mm. he's just got to be better than that. No two ways about it. Uh, and then Jaden Akins, 12 minutes. Uh, he got 1.3 rebounds. Um, I, I thought he rebounded well. I think, you know, with him, that looked to me like freshman jitters because he had a couple of shot opportunities that he found himself with that he actually created. 
that um, off the bounce that he just missed horribly. And it looked to me like he just pulled the string. And and I'm not worried about it. I mean, I think that kid did show his athleticism um, on on a couple of those rebounds you mentioned. You know, defensively, they need him to be better than he was. He got taken advantage of a couple of times as well. But again, it's a freshman, his first game. I'm not worried at this stage about him defensively. I still think he's going to be a plus guy. So not not anything to get upset about with with him. I just think it's you know you you kind of a similar to what Max Christie went through. I think it you chalk it up to a first game and you figure they get it out of their system and they'll be better. But let let's talk about Hogard because we really I mean we've yeah. we've mentioned him, but we had, look seventeen points, two rebounds, four assists, three turnovers, um, and he had a steal. Uh, eight for thirteen from the floor, zero for two at the line, one for two on threes. Um, the three that he missed was a terrible shot; should never have been taken. The one he and the problem is it gets taken because of the one he hit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will I will say this about AJ Hogard that and I said this um, in the preview to this based on the exhibition games. If this is the AJ Hogard that we get this year that's that's great mm. that's enough as a backup and, and i'm going to emphasize it and i know people are going to get seduced by the, oh he scored 17 points he was the only guy that was looking to take shots and, and and hit them all true but i'm telling you the stuff at the rim that he got tonight will not be available consistently in the big 10 because we're going to get back to big 10 size and it's going to be tougher. And I also think teams are going to scout it and they're going to be ready for him. I'm not saying he can't do some of that stuff against anybody. I think he probably can, uh. but it's not going to happen like this. And the the team will need Tyson Walker to be the guy who plays the majority of the minutes. That doesn't mean it needs to be a 32 to eight split, but he's got to be, he's got to be the main guy for this team to be as good as they need to be offensively. And I would argue defensively as well. Uh, but, but man, there is not much to dislike relative to what his capabilities are about the way AJ Hogard played. Uh, he was aggressive in transition all night. He looked to push, he looked to go to the rim, he used his size and he finished. Yeah. So you can't, you can't complain about that. I just, I do think that again, better scouting, once you get into conference play and bigger opposition physically will make it harder for him to duplicate what he did tonight on a consistent basis. And, and then it comes back around to, okay, if teams are doing that, then you got to prove you can hit shots. And despite tonight's results, I'm, I'm not yet in the camp that says AJ Hogarth is a good shooter, mm-hmm. but, I, but as a backup point guard, man, I'm this, this is far better than I anticipated far better. So, We'll see. I mean, he may continue proving me, you know, making me out to look like a fool. Um, but I, I just, I know, I know where my chips still are in what has to happen. Whether it will or not, I don't know. But I know what has to happen in order for Michigan State to be improved and to get better results than they got tonight. Mm-hmm. All right, Ron. Well, uh, if you turn to the keys, turnovers, sixteen to nine. Yeah, and and. And by the way, that number is only semi-human 
because they were pretty good over the last 10 minutes or so. Yeah, 11 at halftime. And they got and they got out to like 14, 15 in a heartbeat. Yep. yep. I mean, not in the initial stages of the second half, but but in that period where Kansas blew the lead out to double digits, they got up there really quickly. And then it just stopped. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. You know, if if you had a solution, if you knew what the problem was, um, you know, uh, you'd solve it, right? And we just, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I've long been a believer in the idea that this happens early on because um, Michigan State acts, asks a lot of its guys in terms of the offense that they run. They have never been a rip it and go. I mean, they, they do that in transition, but you know what I mean? In half court. Yeah. It's just not, it's not that even with a guy like Cassius running things in kind of a read and react system, it's still, they ask for a lot out of you. And, um, you know, tonight it's the stuff that drives people crazy and it drives us crazy. You know, it's lackadaisical passes. I mean, both Walker and Hogard were guilty of that. It wasn't just one of them. Yeah. Of just not being focused, um, making lazy passes, and an opponent jumps it. And it's just that simple. There's some of that. There was some of I mentioned how, you know, Tyson Walker would get himself into a position where he was he was there as a scorer. He has an opportunity. Instead, he tries to force it. He tries to kick it. Um, Hogard a couple of times trying to make something happen that wasn't really there. Mm. Um, you know, uh, Max Christie steps on a sideline, you know, there's a lot of this stuff that just, it's one thing if you say, wow, you know, Kansas just made great defensive plays, but we talked about it in the preview. Kansas isn't a pressure defense. Yeah. They're just not, they don't, tra- I mean, they trapped a little bit in the post. They would send doubles occasionally, at least in the first half, they did some of that. Um, but they, they don't, they, that's not how they make their living. They make their living basically the way you saw it, which is they try to stay solid. They try to get you to have to take shots that aren't optimal, mm-hmm. you know, and it's that simple. It's very similarly to the way Michigan state historically tries to defend. So, you know, we'll just, we'll, we'll have to see, but, um, if it improves and it's got to improve, I know that much. Because uh, you can't do much winning 16 turnovers a night. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. As I say, it's almost a, a blessing that Kansas only got 16 points off of that. Yeah. It could have been worse. Yeah. Uh, and then rebounding, they beat them on the glass, uh, 37 to 30 total rebounds, 10 to 7 on the offensive rebounds. Uh, but they yeah. were a lot, they were way out ahead of them at halftime and that came back, got reeled in quite a bit. You know, I think the the guy I felt, and he only was credited with two rebounds, but the guy that I felt really changed the complexion of things a bit for them was the Adams kid. who we talked about in the preview, their freshman six, seven, but mm-hmm. he's kind of a guy. They, I, I, I see why they're excited about him because you could see the athleticism. You could see the toughness. Um, and and that that's going to play. I mean, I, I would suspect that kid probably has a bigger role come March than he had tonight. Uh, but it was it was things like that that you know Kansas was just quicker. Braun, Brown, their their uh, their four man in this lineup 
had a couple of plays where they got team offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it just, it was, uh, it was you know, where he just won 50, 50 balls. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was disappointing <laughs> to me. <laughs> I think Michigan state was okay. Rebounding. I think they were terrible, but, um, given the way Kansas was forced to play, I didn't think Michigan state dominated as much as they could have. And as you say, when the game was more competitive, as much as they did, mm. you know, in the first half, um, they kind of let that slip a little bit. Yeah. And then, uh, transition, you know, we, <laughs> the statistics, claim that Kansas had a 20 to 11 edge in fast break points. Now I know they got a little something off some live ball turnovers, but I honestly thought at least early in the game, I thought Michigan state's transition play was really strong. I think they came out of the gate looking to push with both guards. And I still think, you know, I, I, the numbers, we talk about this a lot, how, the fast break points thing, I, I think is, it's a bad, it's such a bad stat that I hesitate to even mention it just because it rarely matches my eyes. Both directions. Their night, Michigan's nights, Michigan State gets credited with a bunch. I'm like, they didn't push it that well. Um, and then nights like tonight where I thought they pushed it better and, um, and yet they don't get credited with it. Uh, I thought they were decent. Uh, that was a decent start. Not great needs to be better but i thought it was decent yeah they caught them a few times um but also kansas wasn't really running out a lineup that you would expect as the type of lineup that you would wear them down with you know you're absolutely right you're absolutely right and and if anything i was i was kind of surprised because of you know, Bill Self knows what Thomas likes to do pretty well because he went against him in the Big Ten for a while, and obviously he's played him when he, since he's been at Kansas many times. Um, I was a little surprised they weren't better at getting back. That's what I mean. That number, that number just looks off to me because my sense was Michigan State actually exploited Kansas a bit, mm-hmm. not not overwhelmingly so, but there were a lot of times. You you use the word where they caught him. And they yeah. did. They caught them several times. That's where Hogard was actually really good. I mean, they were almost one man breaks. You yeah. Know? Yep. Yep. And Gabe got one on the streak yep. down the sideline in the beginning, and then I think Christie got a three off of it. Yep. Yeah. There was a lot more production there than I'm seeing in that stat. So let's disregard that. I think I think MSU wasn't great there, but they were okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then deep shooting, they uh, wind up thirty. Well, 35% for both of them. Yeah. MSU 7 for 20, Kansas 6 for 17. Um, you know, that's not a terrible number, actually, 7 for 20. It, it's They need to be a little better than that, I think. You want to see them as a high 30s team. Yeah. But I didn't think it was – I didn't think they were terrible. Um, I just – the problem is, and I felt this way in the Grand Valley game too. They missed some really good looks. I mean, they yeah. were seven for twenty, but just the quality of shot they got. I mean, those were not contested threes. 
they were getting open looks that they missed. You know, Joey missed a couple. Uh, Max Christie missed a couple that I, I thought for sure he was going to hit. You know, um, yeah. Mo, you know, you mentioned Marky was over yeah. for three. Um, I think they this can be a good shooting team. Izzo has talked about it a lot. He seems convinced that this is going to be one of the better shooting teams he's had in a while. And I think the capability is there. But they've got to be um, – they got to take advantage of good looks like that. Against a good opponent, you know, there's a lot of ifs, buts you can point to. But one thing is I'm pretty convinced of, you're not going to beat a team like that Kansas team if you're Michigan State if you're average from three, especially when you're getting good looks, mm-hmm. when everything's not contested, all of that. So – you know, it, it wouldn't have been enough to probably make a difference in a 13-point game. But, you know, if you're 8 for 20, 9 for 20, which they could have been and probably should have been given the quality of look they had and the guys they had shooting them. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, so they need to be a little better. Uh, and then point guard was the final key. You know, this is a hard one for me. How do you – let's start with you. How do you feel about it? Well, I mean, if you look at, I guess you could say the the point production was good from what Holger gave him, um, but it was, I think, seven assists to six turnovers, uh, if you combine both of Walker and Hogard's uh, totals, so... Yeah, and, 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 defense, and I'm looking at the... Yeah. Defense wasn't great, Um this is what I thought was interesting about Kansas. We talked a lot about Yusufu, right? Yeah. He barely played. He played six minutes. Didn't do a thing. They went hard with the Harris kid, who I believe is only starting because Wilson's out of the lineup. I think when Wilson's back, he'll move to a reserve role. That kid played himself a hell of a game. I thought he was really good defensively. Uh, he only scored six points. But he had four assists, no turnovers. And he was the point guard um, when uh, a lot of times when Martin was not. And then Martin, as we talked about, had the big scoring second half with 15 points. He only had two assists and he had three turnovers. So, again, I say I'm skeptical on Martin being the guy, but he might not have to be. Mm-hmm. If Harris can be that good, they can maybe just turn Martin loose to be a scorer. Uh, their freshman Pettiford played 14 minutes. He did score five points, had two assists, no turnovers. So he played reasonably well in his first game. Um, you know, it's going to be an interesting situation with them. I, I would say on balance, Kansas both ways got a little more out of their group than Michigan State did. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't I, go by much more, but I think they did. Overall. Well, I think here's the thing. I mean, Hogard had a, a really nice game, you know, very productive game. But um, when I look again, I was really impressed by Harris and Pettiford did a nice job as a freshman as well. So to me, those two guys did more. If you say Martin and Hogard were kind of a wash, mm-hmm. um, those two guys, and I wouldn't have expected this before the game, but they did more than Tyson Walker did. I just, Tyson Walker just has to be better. It's so important for Michigan State. 
He's just got, and by better, I just mean he's he's got to be aggressive. He's got to be, you know, too often tonight, and this was true in the exhibition games too, he just looked like he was trying to fit in. And I think that's the problem is he's trying to be a guy um, who's blending in and running the offense, which is great. But in order to optimally run the offense, he's also got to be a threat. And they need him to produce, too. They just flat out do. They need him to score more than this. Hmm. Two points on three shots? No. That will not get it done. I mean, there's a kid who scored 19 points a game. I understand it's a different level, all that. But I saw him do it against high major opposition. So he's got it in him. It's a mindset thing, I think, right now. And they've got to get him reoriented fast. So to me, even if you say it's a push at the position between the two teams, you know, Kansas got the better end of it because they had advantages, obviously, on the wing with Agbaji having a huge game. Um, you know, that was that was really a difference maker yeah. for them, you know. Okay, well, uh, I mean, any any final thoughts on this uh, one? You know, I... <laughs> I said that there were positives in this, and I do believe that. I think the play of the five men was a big positive. That's got to continue, but, boy, that was encouraging. Um, we kind of talked about it in, in discussing transition. I actually think Michigan State wasn't half bad mm. pushing the ball. That's got to continue. Um, but we know where the improvement needs to happen, and to me, it, it starts – with two things you've got to take better care of the ball and you've got to keep people out of the lane you just have to yeah i mean it's you see what happens when you don't against a good opponent you know it's just it's not it's not going to cut it when you get into big 10 play and you're going through the murderer's row that you've got to go through Mm -hmm. and not to mention you know when they get to the atlantis tournament you know they've still got to get louisville they've still got opponents in the non-conference that they gotta you know there's plenty of opportunity for this team to get better, though, and that's the thing. I am I am very much not in a in a panic mode by any means. That that game would I don't know if there was any result that would have put me there in terms of what it means for the season because I've lived and and I understand what basketball in November means, which is to your long term prospects, which is not a hell of a lot, mm-hmm. uh, except that again it. it level check so now they've got that they know these things that they need to sustain and a lot of areas where they just need to get better and they're going to have ample opportunities to display that against good opposition you know and then you get into the big 10 and boy it's good opponents most nights mm-hmm. okay well um i guess that'll do it for uh this one until next time the final four is not on the schedule For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.